my my question would be what is the best tune to use to get you to the gas station as fast as possible <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's where i want to go because <laughs> because that's that's what tony needs is a really good tune to get him to the gas station you know and then back on my fucking defense here the gas station my loop is 20 miles god damn it you all make it sound like i'm going right down the street you fuckers you pack a sandwich for those 20 miles i do yeah, i pack does. a sandwich and a camera and you never know what's gonna happen man he packs more than a sandwich for those 20 miles after after 10 minutes he's got to get off the bike and stretch because that's a hard 10 miles you all can pack my dick on your foreheads i'll tell you that right now <laughs> Bikers Podcast, presented by Memphis Shades, the clear choice for custom windshields and fairings for your motorcycle. And wild ass seats, stay in the saddle longer and in total comfort, no matter your butt or budget. Are you following the 530 Bikers on social media? Find us on Facebook and look us up on Instagram and TikTok at 530 Bikers. Welcome back, everybody, to the 530 Bikers Podcast. Uh, we are back from our bike reveal, and we have a uh, special guest with us tonight. Um, we have the premier uh, Harley Tech in the in the southern region, Thomas Anderson, with us, and Matthew. These guys are both from uh, Louisville Harley Davidson and Bowling Green Harley Davidson, and uh, they're going to tell us. All we need to know about high-performance motorcycles, specifically high-performance Harley-Davidson motorcycles. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks well, for thank having you us. very much. Yeah, I think these guys are building some insane shit down there in Bowling Green. So we're going to see exactly how insane it is. And, and just so, to be clear, we're talking about high-performance bikes, not high-performance-looking bikes. Ooh. Hey, right. There's right. no reason. There's no reason to go there anymore, Dave. Oh, okay. I, I see. Just want to be clear so not, that the audience isn't confused. Ryan's going to well, make sure that he rides in front of you in September. You know, if it looks fast, you know, <laughs> fuck it. You know what I mean? Just ride up front. <laughs> the backstory, guys, on this is that uh, um, I I have uh, built out a 2017 Road King Special. And I had done all the cool guy, uh, you know, performance mods that you do to your bike, except I hadn't done anything to the suspension, the brakes, or the motor. So it was a performance-looking <laughs> bagger. <laughs> and the SNS guys called him out on it a little bit. So they they did they did they called me out on it. So they, they called it the performance-looking. Well, you know, bagger, to each so other own too. You know, there's. There's those people that that is what they care about. They don't, you know, they don't need to go fast all the time. You know, I started in this business a long time ago to where it was every day. We got chrome front end and handlebars, did it all the time. And to sure. be honest with you, eventually got sick of seeing it. Sure, sure. Well, and I'm I'm definitely a uh, a form and function guy, right? So I, I have to have uh, kind of both things for me. It's got to look good and it's got to work for me because I put a lot of miles on my bike. So I have to be able to uh, have both of those things at the same time. So it was it was kind of one of those things where everything had to line up before I did anything to the motor. So <laughs> there you go. So, Thomas, why don't, why don't you give us a, a little background on what you do? 
and how you do it over there? Well, to be honest with you, I'll, I'll go really, really far back. Um, so I grew up as a young kid, South Florida, in a motorcycle household. Um, that one moment in time, my dad had up to about 300 motorcycles in his shop. Um, <clears throat> when I turned 15 years old, I got my motorcycle license, and I was not allowed to have a car. So until I was 18 to where I felt like I you know, was an adult, that's when I got my first car at 18. So my first three years was on a motorcycle. I wanted to go somewhere. That's where I went. <clears throat> Long story short, back in 2008, I ended up at Harley Davidson as a mechanic um, working on these bikes. So <clears throat> I, I came in right there in the middle of that twin cam era. And still to this day, the twin cam is where my heart is. That is my favorite motor. Um, so starting out as a young tech, you know, I worked through the Harley ranks and ended up getting my master's and everything probably by, I want to say, 2000 and 12 2012 2013 or so um but i grew up uh, on the drag strip south florida we had a little place called bithlo uh, that's what we all knew it as uh, most people know it as orlando speed world um so that is where i grew up drag racing the uh, suzuki gs at the time um so working for harley um the, the the drag racing part has always been where my passion was um you know back in the 2010 2009 time frame everybody had reinhardt true duels uh with a big bore kit and uh, if you had 110 horsepower you were fucking something then <laughs> uh, we even made a 110 horsepower club back in the day and <laughs> you know i i still have the t-shirt and 110 horsepower is not shit anymore you know it just really isn't so uh, I took over the service department in Bowling Green back in 2017, and that is where I kind of drove the focus of performance and drag racing. I've had bike nights at the drag strip for the last five years, and I can remember the day when we were finally busting the 12 seconds, and uh, we thought we were some fast shit. You know, four years later, we got street bikes running into the tens, and that's where we're at now. God damn, that's hauling ass. How many fucking horsepower are you guys pushing out there? I mean, what what what's what's your engine size? Oh, uh, my say, uh, well, my GM now, um, he's riding a 2020 Lowrider S, and I believe last pull we did on him was one. Don't quote me, 175 to 180, right around there. Holy he drives shit. it on the street every day. Um, I think his best run was a 10.6, 10.7. Now keep in mind too, that's running a little bit of nitrous. Um, naturally aspirated on a NA tune that we built. I think he went 10, 9, 11, 0, somewhere right around there. God so dang. now don't get me wrong. Deep pockets gets you there, but these right. bikes are capable of that and still insure them, turn signals, drive them every day. So Thomas, I, that's, that's a question that, that I've always had. And, and a worry of mine, to be honest with you, is that is there a point where um, that you can do, you know, too much to your motor where it's not reliable to really ride it anymore. I mean, I, cause I, I really think that there's a, a big difference between a, a bike, you know, a race bike or a drag bike and just building your motor out cause you want a fast bike, but you're still going to ride it across the country. Well, yes, you can. So <clears throat> the first thing that I have, I have to tell you is that if you are going to do so understand that it's not going to drive and run like when you bought it new, um, you know, to be able to do some, and I'm sorry to hurt feelings, but don't be a pussy when you have to actually ride your fucking motorcycle. 
<laughs> it might not have any bottom end. It might shake a little bit. You know, your gas mileage is going to shit. Don't call me because you're getting 25 miles to the gallon. Understand what you're getting out of it. Uh, two other things. Uh, use good quality parts. And uh, the last is make sure it's put together properly. Really, really, really simple. So, you know, we use um, a Baker Grudge Box in this motorcycle. Transmission is really important. Um, uh, use quality cams, the internals of the motors. Now, don't get me wrong, too. You can make a lot of horsepower, but if your suspension is not there, you'll never be able to put it to the ground. So the bike that I'm talking about has thousands of dollars worth of um, suspension components, not to mention complete carbon fiber wheels on it as well. Sure. God damn. <laughs> doesn't matter if you get 25 miles a gallon. You just get there faster. I you really get 50 miles a gallon. Come in, they want the biggest and the baddest, and then they bitch and moan, you know, and complain because it doesn't idle the same or it might hiccup when they started on a cold fucking morning. Yeah, you have to understand you know? that it's different now. Yeah, yeah, a so lot Matthew. of people. Yeah. Let's hear from you, man. Let's hear about your background. Well, unlike Thomas, I am not building high-performance machines. I'm actually new into the Harley dealership. Thomas actually just came down and started uh, bringing it to Louisville area because he's kind of outgrowing Bowling Green, going to build it up, and Bowling Green is our sister store up here. Uh, my background i'm kind of just one of the dirty bikers i was a motorcycle hobo for a year after i got out of the army lived on a sportster traveled coast to coast and now i'm moved back home where i grew up back in kentucky nice okay That's any interesting cool. inter any interesting stories from the, the hobo days man that could be a whole podcast <laughs> <laughs> we had the ultimate motorcycle hobo on the podcast scooter tramp that? scotty i mean he's oh, been at I, it for like 28 him. years or something yeah, I follow you gotta, them. You, uh, Matthew, you got to tell them about the salt flats. Uh, you're going to get me in trouble, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh, just fuck it, man. Let it, let it rip. <laughs> All right. So I was uh, probably one of the most fun days on this road trip. I'm out there riding and uh, go to Bonneville Salt Flats on my Sportster. Have a take off, have all my bags loaded on it. So I'm probably have about 100 pounds, but I'm running my Sportster down 115 miles per hour. Feels like you're just standing still out there. It's crazy. If you've never been out there, it's like a trip is worth it. So it was just, my, I was solo on this trip. So there's nobody out there with me. And I see just a, a small group in the distance. I mean, probably like a mile or two away. I'm like, let me see what they're doing. Maybe they're racing or something. Maybe we can have some fun. So I started riding down there all the way across the desert and come up on it. And then I started noticing, oh, these are female figures. And as I get a little bit closer, it's a nude photo shoot. Like, oh. <laughs> nude models out there. <laughs> so I was trying not to be a creep or nothing. So I thought I'd just do my quick pass by and just get on my way. But one of them starts flagging me down. Hey, hey, come on over here. So I'm like, all right, now I'm invited. So <laughs> I head over there and uh, they were they were asking, hey, can we take pictures on your motorcycle? We're just we're looking for props and stuff. I was like. I mean, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> and yeah, pretty much spent the whole day just hanging out, taking pictures with them, took a couple of them on some passes down the flats. And that was kind of sketchy because they're, you know, wearing nothing. And we're going almost 100 miles per hour. <laughs> but I had a sissy bar, so they weren't falling off the back. And it was it was a good day. I didn't I didn't find a campsite that night because I ended up staying till dark. 
So I just ended up sleeping there right there on the salt. And it was very uncomfortable, very windy that night. Got a lot of salt in my eyes, but mm. packed up the next morning and just carried on. Damn. Wow. The, the life of a hobo. That, <laughs> that's a fucking, it wasn't just a good day. That was a great day. Great day. <laughs> Naked women and salt. Yeah. Just gave you a little tequila was all it was missing. Fuck. That I was missing. Fun. Yeah, he had the salt, right? Yeah, I didn't have pockets, <laughs> pockets that, but I got, had enough money for gas and a little bit of food, and I just carried on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It was the trifecta. Wow. Gas, cr- gas. What is it? Gas, food, and ass. How does it work? Gas, grass, and ass. Yeah, yeah, there it is. No one Nobody rides for rides free. For free. Yeah. <laughs> Far. So going back. So Thomas, I actually went down there and Thomas dynoed my bike. And my bike ran pretty good when I took it up there. When I pulled out of your fucking parking lot, dude, that thing is pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I can't believe the difference of how of how it it runs. Uh, the power's right where you want it to be. It's right in the sweet spot, and I mean, it just it's crazy. So talk talk to me because a lot of people dyno Thomas. Do do people go is so you go in and you just you start from the ground up. You don't start from a can map and tweak that, do you? So every bike is different. Um, your bike. Um, is, a, is a little tame to me. So you've got to drop in cam, you know, when you have a decent exhaust. Um, so there's no reason for me to stop, you know, start with a tune that somebody else has built. So I'll take my time and start from the beginning, which is pretty much what I did with yours. There'll be a few radical bills out there that I will want to start with uh, something a little bit better than just your stock map. But I take every bike differently. So if we had another bike just like yours, completely built identical, I will still start from scratch and, and build it that way. No reason for me to take a previous tune, drop it in your bike and go. There's some guys out there that want me to do that because it saves them money. And if they can live with that, they can live with it. I usually don't do that. Um, when we started tuning in Bowling Green back in 2009, the master tech down there, he's got about three, four years on me. Him and I basically just purposely built a tuning place to where other people will understand. We'll get them come from other states to understand that we're going to take some time and build it properly. If I'm going to take that amount of money from you, I want you to be very impressed so you can tell other people. Uh, Don't get me wrong. We're in this business to make money. This is a business that has supported my family. Um, It's a business that has taken care of my uh, addiction with the stuff that I purchase. So I want you happy and I want you bringing other people back as well. So, you know, when you and I talked before, you wanted me to tune off that stock head pipe, and I just really wasn't kosher with it at all, just because yeah. I knew what the outcome was going to be. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we were talking also about some, you know, we're not going to call anybody out or any dealers out, but a lot of dealers, you know, you go in, they'll put in the the, the drop-in part, and they'll just flash a, a a can map to your bike, do a pull on it, and go, this is what, this is what you got. You know, they don't actually sit down and, and – tune the bike the way thomas is tuning it you know which uh you know hell you can do that at home if you have the right tuner and speaking of that thomas i know people are going to ask what tuner do you prefer 
So we have been using DinoJet's PowerVision for a while now. Um, I'll call a couple other people out. You know, Harley had their super tuner, um, which was a great tuner. Um, that's actually the tuner that is on uh, the destroyer that I ride. Um, TTS is another fantastic tuner, um, which I have nothing against those. Uh, PowerVision is, is, is what I know. I've done a lot with it. Um, Power vision is really easy for me to take to the track too. So we can make a run, we can data log stuff, I can change tunes at the track, it's all there. I can bring my laptop, it's all on that handy tuner. So by being able to use that, I can change um, a lot of things. Sometimes you have a tune set up in your motorcycle on certain temperatures outside. Well, when you're dropping 20 degrees and it's nice and cold, or depending on how the track is set up, if the track is slick or not, you can pull power, you can add power, um, you can do a lot of things. So, uh, you know, everybody's familiar with street outlaws and you always see them with their laptop on top of their hood and they're changing things. Well, we can do the same thing. Um, so I just uh, really like that tuner for the accessibility that actually gives us. Well, I think we're all gonna get fucked on these tuners coming in with this EPA stuff that's going around right now? Well, um, the EPA, um, this is my understanding. It has hit a lot of your large manufacturers. So you take somebody like DynaJet, which is very large, or Harley that it hit, I wanna say back in 2019 is when the super tuner got hit. You know, large scale manufacturers, Vance and Hines, has a large scale, which got hit. So a lot of their exhaust out are coming with catalytic converters installed. So you take more of the small time people like TTS, uh, smaller people like uh, HPI performance out of Indianapolis, uh, Sawicki Speed, you know, they're small time people. So you can still purchase their exhaust systems that are not EPA regulated. So we do use um, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of those vendors and stuff. And they make really good performance. The HPI right now, I, I believe, is like 20 weeks to get one. I mean, they are really backed up. I've got a customer now ordered it in October of last year, and it is supposed to be delivered this week. Holy shit. God, wow. wow. Now, you take my exhaust, so I'm building one of my personal bikes, and I called D&D to have one of their exhausts made for me. You know, a company that's been around a long time, they're Borzilla been around a while they told me they were 10 weeks for making that exhaust for my bike nice so i can only assume that a lot of customers are going to these um, smaller aftermarket because we're having problems with you know vance and hines and epa and that stuff and they're just getting backed up but i mean you take hpi i've met the owner i've met a couple of the people there's not too many people that actually work there so it just takes time just take right. some time. So if, if you were to recommend that somebody that wanted to do a cam and an exhaust on their bike, but a drop-in cam, nothing crazy like Ryan and I have. And I, what do you have, Percy, in your bike? I've got a Jim's cam, 821E. It's the one that I just put in. Okay. What what would be your, your recommendation? And Matthew, too, because you're in the parts department. I mean, what, what are you guys seeing? What are people buying? Well, here's exactly the way I look at this. <clears throat> Back in 2017, when I took over the department in Bowling Green, I had a customer come in with a wad of money. Money was not an option. He wanted the largest kit that Harley had to offer. 
which was back then they called the stage five tire shredder. No problem. So we put that in his motorcycle. I mean, it made like 125 horse. Everything was great. And he came back pissed because it wasn't, it did not have the power where he wanted it. So since that moment in time from 17, I really no longer choose things for people or build out of the book. I pretty much insist a sit down with that customer, kind of a one-on-one, try to have some sort of understanding of how they ride before we put things together for him. So it's, it's everyone's kind of a custom build. Um, I got you. So, yeah, I just I don't want my customers mad or pissed off. I don't want them to hate what I do. So I pretty much require every customer to sit down with me so I can have an understanding of what they're actually wanting. And at sure. the end of the day, it really comes down to how much they're willing to spend. Sure. That, that was actually one of the questions I had was how how you decide on what you're going to do with a build with a customer, because I would I would imagine that all of us as customers, right? We think we, we think we know best. And then we come in and say, well, this is what I, this is what I want you to do. And then, then when you say, well, how do you ride? And you have that conversation with them and those two things probably very likely don't align very much because, you know, they probably heard from their friend that they had this done to their bike and it, and it, you know, did this and that and the other thing. And you kind of get that, uh, uh, we always call it, uh, you know, big dick energy, right? So what are you trying to do to your bike? What is your, you know, what is your end goal? For sure. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of people come in and just kind of say something like, I want power. Well, where do you want it? Do you want it down low? Do you want it up high? Like all of that is depending on how you ride on the daily. And so you got to really find something that's like Tom was saying, it's one-on-one to the customer, how he rides what where he rides the environment he's riding in really all dictates on what they what they can actually do sure fuck man feel like i should have waited (laughs) (laughs) you 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 get tony Tony a little bit of time and all that money he has he's gonna spend and he ain't gonna wait yeah i was gonna say i might have to go see thomas again next week (laughs) (laughs) gonna have to make some changes just trade the bike in and start over. On no, the, I've had know. this one two years. I'm not you buying another want, one. You Thomas, don't want a bagger. Get a road glide. So, take it to Thomas and have him fix it up. <laughs> so Thomas, I feel like I feel like Tony probably wasn't very honest with you though when he came in and and right? you, and you dynoed his bike for for him because I, my my question would be what is the best tune to use to get you to the gas station as fast as possible? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I want to go. Because <laughs> because that's that's what Tony needs is a really good tune to get him to the gas station. You know, and then back on my fucking defense here, the gas station, my loop is 20 miles. God damn it. You all make it sound like I'm going right down the street. You fuckers. <laughs> you pack a sandwich for those 20 miles. I do. Yeah, I pack does. a sandwich and a camera and you never know what's going to happen, man. He packs more than a sandwich for those 20 miles. <laughs> After after 10 minutes, he's got to get off the bike and stretch because that's a hard 10 miles. You all can pack my dick on your foreheads. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> so, so Thomas, I, do, have you ever had an inc- incidence where someone came in and, uh, and, and you just really had to talk them out of everything that they wanted to do because they were just so out, out of, you know, off base with what they thought they wanted when they came in? That just happened. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It uh, it happens. 
it happens from time to time. You know, um, I'm not sure the instance Matthew's talking about, but um, no, a lot of a lot of these people, and I get it, social media and stuff, but they get on the forums and they believe what the forums tell them, and then they'll come in with some sort of build that they read that I just know is not going to work. Um, it's pretty pretty uh, rare that I refuse work, but sometimes in those cases I will. Because I know exactly what's going to happen at the very end of it. That's smart. Or you can, or you can tell them here. These are the parts that you have, and this is going to be your outcome. So if you want to stay with those parts, this is what's going to happen, right? Kind of situation. Yeah, I can tell them that. But at the end of the day, um, my name is on it, and like I try to let my managers know that we tell the customer what we are going to do. I do not allow the customer to tell me what I'm going to do. Um, So it just, um, I I know it works. I know it doesn't. Uh, Sometimes in like the wintertime when we're slow, I, you know, you, you want a crazy build, you want to do something, you know, different. I'll do it. And I'll let my customers know, say, Hey, we'll give this a shot. If it doesn't work out and we have to change, um, you know, I really won't charge the customer a full boat to redo it again. Because if I don't know, because I'm supposed to be the professional, if I don't know and I do it, I can't charge you 100% if it shit doesn't work. Sure. And so, like, the winter time, I enjoy doing that. That is where I gain my knowledge from is, you know, you know, fucking up from time to time. So, sure. usually I pay labor for those type of customers if I fail. Um, I've done that. I've, I won't tell you who, but I've ran a new camshaft and the shit didn't work. So he bought a different camshaft and then I paid the labor completely for him until we got it working. Sure. So Tony was asking before about uh, drop in cam and your favorite um, uh, kind of exhaust. And so you, you, you told us some exhaust, but you didn't say anything about what cams you, you like to use. Okay. So exhaust two into one all day, just as sure. simple as that. Um I do like Vanson Hines uh, X pipe. They're um, I believe they call them power duels. Really like those. They just have really good overall uh, torque, horsepower, easy to tune. Customers are happy with them. Um, but definitely two into one. Um, we're all opinionated on things. I like a long two into one. You know, the two into one shorts are kind of the in thing now. Um, but the camshaft um, all depends on what you're wanting out of it and what size motor we're starting with. Uh, I will call out a few people that I do a lot of with, a lot with George Bryce at a star racing. Uh, he took time out of his day to come up and spend some time in Bowling Green. Uh, use a lot of star racing cams. Wes Brown uh, with Cyclorama. Really easy to get a hold of. Very helpful. Uh, Pam works the phones for him. Uh, she's fantastic. Uh, use a lot of the Cyclorama cams. Um, for the most part, those are about the go-to. Um, I like using Bob Woods cams in uh, twin cam. Uh, he makes a fantastic M8 cam. Uh, matter of fact, about two weeks ago, I personally talked to him about my personal build. Um, a lot of knowledge out of Bob Woods. Um, we use a, a few SNS cams, uh, here and there. Um, my service manager runs a 550 SNS, puts down fantastic power, um, there are a few others, uh, T-Man, um, we use his stuff with twin cam. Um, I can go on and on. Um, Fuck. 
you know, the Harley cams <laughs> are bad. You know, when we're talking like um, early, early twin cam, uh, the Screaming Eagle 211 cam, you want to get into the Sportsters. Um, I run Redshift and Andrews um, in my Buell and my Sportster. Um, so a lot of great manufacturers out there with camshafts. Hmm. What'd you put in, Tony? A Pee Wee Herman cam? That, that sounds like it, man. It sounds like I fucking should be playing the like the Wizard of Oz, the dun, 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 going down the road. No, Ryan and I both have the 475, and I'll tell you, it ran good when after Thomas tuned it, it runs even better. Uh, like I said, we didn't get the horsepower numbers we we were hoping for out of it, but we got I think almost 132 pounds of torque. And I mean, the thing just—I mean, it rips, man. I mean, it. What, what horsepower me, did rips. you? What did you? What do you end up with horsepower on that? Uh, I would have to look at the dyno sheet. I think we ended up with like one fifteen, something like that, with one hundred thirty-two pounds of torque. But I mean, the the thing, to me, it it rips. It's all I want, man. I mean, it really. It's as fast as I need it to be. And you and that was, you had about one twenty-eight torque too, right? I, I think we ended up with almost 132 pounds of torque. 132. Yeah. Two, if I remember right. I mean, it... it. Well, that 475 cam was the first S&S cam we put in, I want to say back in 2018. And we put it in a 107 Road King, ran a 2 into 1 TBR. And I believe that bike on a Road King, I believe it ran about 12.5, 12.6. And then we did SNS's 124 kit on it, added an intake and an injectors, and then a two into one Reinhardt. And that bike ended up making around 136, 138 horsepower and wow. got that bike down to about 11.8. Wow. On that 475 SNS cam. Wow. That's what Ryan's running. So with the with the right, yeah, with the right mix of parts, it sounds like, I mean, you know, you just have to you have to be able to, to know what works and to be able to work around, uh, you know, kind of tweaking the, you know, e- each part that maybe not be up to snuff. Correct. It sure. yeah, you're like talking, you need to go to a yeah, man that knows. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. talking compression ratios, all sorts of things. Sure. Sure. My, my biggest thing truly, like I said, was I, I, I never wanted to do anything that would wholly compromise the, uh, integrity of the bike and make it so that it wasn't reliable. Um, because I, I like to ride and put a lot of miles on my bike. And so I just wanted, you know, something that was going to, you know, give me a little bit of extra, uh, and not, and not, to, you know, overdo it. I, I don't need the tire breaking loose on me on the interstate or something like that because, because I tried to pass a car, you know, I, uh, um, you know, I run with my bike loaded down a lot, go camping, you know, just a variety of things, but I, but I still wanted it to sound good, to look cool, to, to feel, you know, to feel like it, it, um, you know, was, was a, a quicker, faster motorcycle than, than what I had before. And all those things for me happen. So from my perspective, you know, I always look at it like if, if it feels the way I expected it to feel when I got my, when I have my ass on the seat, then I, then I guess I won in that deal, whether or not I built it out to the, to the best potential of the motor is less important than if I got what I wanted. I I guess that's kind of what I, how I looked at it. Well, I'll tell you the, uh, the, the, the best bike built is the one that you do not touch. Oh, sure. That's the most reliable one. Yeah. 
there, there are certain <laughs> things that you can do to still have decent fuel economy, uh, still ride pretty decent. But the more radical you go, um, it's just not going to last as long. So sure. um, I ride what we call people. Um, we named it people because it is about the oldest man's bike you've ever fucking seen. Two tone <laughs> brown and black, with the largest fucking tour pack there is. Uh, I built a 107 uh, on that bike. Um, it made 124 horsepower. I think that bike ended up running 12-2 with a uh, ice down tour pack with 12 pack of beer. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I shoot, I lasted about a year and a half in the bike and I couldn't take it anymore. So yank the motor out and we're redoing it again. So I just. <laughs> I always need to have to go a little bit faster. Sure. So, so Matthew, you said you were living off the back of a sportster uh, riding across the country. What are you What are you riding now? No, he's out driving around trying to find those naked chicks with the salt. He is, man. That's what he's doing. <laughs> so it sounds like the moral of the story here, if you want to do any performance mods, you need to call Thomas and make an appointment. That's right. And talk to him. For sure. Yeah, pretty much, you know, depending on where you live and stuff, we've got a, a great dyno room up in Louisville. Um, the dyno in Bowling Green just about runs every single day. Um, I've got technicians waiting for the dyno to, uh, to open up down there. Um, almost had to tune a little bit myself today, but uh, kind of weaseled myself out. Um, but there is still a bike down in Bowling Green that I do need to tune. Um, we built a uh, 131 motor. That is using, uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, Cyclorama cam in it. We're running Cyclorama heads on it. We ordered a Burns two-into-one exhaust on it. We're really expecting to see 160 horse out of it. Um, and uh, Jesus. I just haven't been able to uh, get that tune finished yet. So when, when you're running just roughly with 160 horsepower, what's a torque number on that? Or do you guys even care at that point? Well, I'll probably piss a lot of people off, but I really don't care about the torque. You don't care, um, do you? I don't really care too, too much. Don't get me wrong. You have to have some. That's what gets you up and going out of the hole. But yeah. that's not what is keeping you pulling yourself down the track. So as long as the torque is in the proper spots, um, that's it's the horsepower that I'm shooting for. So the the, the torque is what you feel. The horsepower is what you see up on in lights after you pass the finish line. Pretty much, you know, there's there's a big formula and a thing that talks about it. You know, um, torque gets you going. Horsepower is what keeps you going. Damn it. So as long as, you know, I'm making my horsepower between, you know, 4,500 to 65, 68, that's what's going to get me through the traps quicker. I mean, if you ever really look at it, you know, look like at a Hayabusa or a ZX-14 out of the box, you know, their torque numbers are a little bit low, but they've got enough torque to get them up and going. And those bikes are running down into the nines, you know, brand new out of the box on EPA stock exhaust systems. Hmm. Damn it. Damn it. So, Thomas, (laughs) yes, sir. you're a master tech. You've seen it all. You've probably, I'm assuming, done it all. Is there any particular job that you can remember since you've been you've been doing this throughout your career that you absolutely hated and that co- has come around again? And you're just like, oh fuck, I'm I'm doing this to this bike again. 
Oh, that's a very good question. Um, and jobs that I've hated in the past. First thing that comes into mind is working on a bike that another technician has worked on and or the customer that has been uh, what I would call a little bit sloppy. Okay. Perfect example. Had a motorcycle come in um, years and years ago with a vibration at idle and low speeds. Um, I pulled the cam chest out, pulled the transmission set out. I mean, I tore this bike up and down, put it all back together, could not fix this customer's problem. I get pissed off one day and I lay down on the motorcycle and I just laid there, just pissed me off. And when I looked up, I noticed a 10 millimeter battery bolt laying between the transmission case and the swing arm. Which is what caused the entire fucking vibration. And it goes back to somebody putting a battery in that motorcycle, dropping the bolt, not taking the time to fucking find it. And they just took another screw in it. And it eventually fell down and stuck in between there. I mean, we're talking three, four days of my time. Oh. You know, so we have a little saying around the shop, you know, that my labor rate's like $100 an hour. But if you touched your bike before, it's 120 an hour. <laughs> and if you to sit there and watch me, it's 140 an hour. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, of one bolt. I'm not, yeah, over one bolt. You know, technicians we have issues every now and then. We're not perfect. You know, we're not gods by no mean uh, means. But you know, I tell people too, um, YouTube and the forums make our service department quite a bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> so just for people out there beware beware of what you uh read and thinking that the um youtube is going to have all your answers that you can uh fix the bike yourself damn <laughs> Man. we we watch uh here in, in my house jared watches this youtube channel it's like i don't know 10 different tiktok type real things and it's called um just rolled in and if you guys haven't seen that you have to go look it up because the the things that people do to their vehicles is just mind-blowing it's so it's not i've never seen motorcycles on it to be honest it was it was like cars or trucks but you just gotta go look it up because it's they do some stupid it's concerning shit. oh beyond stupid like there was like a drive shaft that was taped together with duct hey, tape to try that to drive. Duct tape is amazing. Not for that. <laughs> I'm amazed they made it. That there. shit's sticky. We, we saw one today where. To yeah. We saw one today where the 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 wheel fell off, and they just kept driving on it, like just kept driving the car. I'm amazed they even made it to the shop because it what? had actually like completely ground down. Um, that entire mechanism for your wheel. Can That's they just another it? way to get there. Oh my God! <laughs> so, so Matthew, let's try this again. You rode across the country on your Sportster, and uh, and 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 lived off your Sportster. So, what what are you riding now? Now that you're you're not doing that anymore, and, and you're and you're working in the service department. So, I still have the same Sportster, but since that trip, I've done a frame off rebuild of it. Uh, pretty much, it actually has a new motor. The first one only lasted that one year on the road. Didn't get to take the best care of it. And uh, now I have a 2006 Dyna Street Bob. Um, really, on that one, I've only done brakes and suspension. 
and Thomas is about to help me build the motor on that hopefully over this next winter. Um, and then I also have a KTM 690 Supermoto, and that's just my uh, wheelie practice machine. Sure. Wheelie practice machine. Yep. Can't <laughs> break that thing. I tried uh, I tried doing some wheelies on my Sportsters a few times, and uh, back when I started practicing, I actually looped it on myself once, and that got expensive and hurt real bad. So <laughs> I tried, to, yeah. tried to keep it on the lighter bikes now, and eventually I'll get up, get back up on my Sportster again. So, nice. so you must be uh, you must be one of those guys that's just in love with the Sportster still. I like I have my Dyna, and that thing I like now for long distance. I still my favorite thing is cross country trips, long distance over at least over a thousand miles. But uh, my Sportster, I mean, that's if on the daily. If I'm driving around the city or under a hundred miles, I mean, I'd, I'd prefer the Sportster any day. It's, it's nimble. It has the power where I want it. I mean, I'm not doing over 120 in it. I got a fork brace on it, suspension, and a stage one, and I'm happy with it. Sure. Sportsters get a bad rap. You know, they have. You know, you you, you hear about girls' bike all the time. But uh, I started with a Sportster, and uh, I've got three now, uh, plus my Buell. Um, I really, really like those bikes. There's a misconception that, you know, that's where you need to uh, learn to uh, start on, which is total horseshit. I mean, they're top heavy. They really don't break worth a damn, <laughs> um, and they're kind of awkward. So, if you want to start out, you need to get yourself on a little soft tail, you know, and uh, go that way. No offense, there, Tony. No, no, but I, I will agree with you. I had a, I had an iron too, and I think we all did. At, at yeah, we all point. started on sports, and shoes. they are fucking top heavy. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yep. and awkward. I, I won't argue with anything, and the, the, you're right about the brakes. They don't stop where they shit. You got a Freddie Flintstone, that fucker. Yeah, you definitely – Harleys are one of those things. You got to build them up in the aftermarket. They don't come off the line exactly how you're going to want to ride them on a daily. So I, I think we have some questions in the Discord for you guys. But before we get into that, Thomas, Matthew, how do people find you? Because it sounds like, you know, you can – you guys are doing some amazing stuff over there. Well, you got two websites. You can go to Harley Davidson at Bowling Green. Uh, my picture's right on there. That website is up and going. Uh, my phone number's on there. You can reach me out there. Uh, the Harley Davidson Louisville uh, website, uh, we're uh, getting that up and going. Um, we still got a few things to do uh, to that. Obviously, we've got home numbers um, for our, our home stores on there. So, uh, best thing right now is to uh, manage both those websites. Nice. Also, if I could give a shout out real quick, I want to let everybody in the area know on the 29th of April at Harley Davidson Louisville, we're right off 65. We're having a swap meet and we're going to have lots of stuff. And if you guys have anything you want to bring out, you could get a spot for yourself and uh, bring well, out your You might junk. be getting a 475 cam. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we first talked, Tony, I wasn't going to tell you my thoughts and feelings about that, but yeah, so you might be getting a 475 cam. I'm well, going to have to talk hey, to Thomas. Tony, you can take, you take that rear rock down there. We'll, yeah. we'll find somebody's motor that can fit in. Yeah, and I got a rear rock helmet that somebody can have too. There you go. Bring <laughs> it on fucking down. piece of shit. Bring it on down. Let's let's make some people happy. Give them some good deals and move some parts. Nice. Right when, when was that? The 29th? 29th, last Saturday of next month. All right, cool. The, the day before the Shepherdsville swap meet. Oh, sweet. So, and Thomas, how many days a week are you up in Louisville, or does that differ every 
week? Well, I'm trying to keep a set schedule to where I'm in Louisville, sometimes usually Wednesday through Friday. Um, okay. But um, not to, you know, to be transparent, Louisville store, um, we're going through a lot of rebuild. Um, I'm trying to bring in different technicians, um, trying to get kind of a start over at that store. Um, so everything's a little bit new to us up there. So I am spending quite a bit of time at Louisville. Uh, but I mean, you take the service manager up there, Jake McGuire. Um, he trained under me for three years down in Bowling Green and, um, he's service manager now up there and he is literally my neighbor on the street where I live. Um, so he's got my contact information. You can call him up in uh, Louisville and doesn't matter where I'm at. Um, you can reach me. So it's pretty nice that I have the schedule that I do that I determine which store I'm going to be at. So if uh, somebody needs me up there or somebody needs me in Bowling Green, I can uh, make those things happen. Nice. And, and Matthew, they can find you at Louisville, right? Yep. I'm there five days a week, Tuesday through Saturday. And uh, yeah, I'm always there. I got, I got Thomas's direct number and we, our stores where we reflect each other now. So if we need parts from one store, I just got some star racing camps sent up. Uh, we actually couldn't get uh, HPI exhaust. They were accepting no new vendors, but because of our connections with the Bowling Green store, we could get it through them. So we, uh, we're on there five days a week and we can get everything taken care of. Get, get anything anybody needs, right? Anything anybody needs, yep. Nice. I will say for everybody listening and for everyone, um, I've partnered with Beach Bend Raceway um, in Bowling Green for the last six years. Um, the AMRA uh, Fall Finals, uh, Harley-Davidson Bowling Green uh, sponsors them. Uh, so we do a lot of racing at Beach Bend. It has been around a really rich history. Uh, I also, about two weeks ago, got to spend some time at a Ohio Valley Raceway, which is right outside of Louisville. And I'm going to do what I can to set some bike nights up there at Ohio Valley. Um, so it gives uh, the listeners and uh, customers a place to come on out, meet me, meet Matthew, see our bikes. Um, we're also going to do a little bit of competitive racing between both stores, Louisville and Bowling Green. Um, I'm going to try to pick a day to where we can get some of the big boys out of Bowling Green to come up and uh, race some of the guys in Louisville. Um, so it'll be a really good time. Um, I'll try to let everybody know when those dates are going to happen. That sounds like, yeah, I'll be there. I want to see a fucking 10 second bike. <laughs> I mean, come on. You man. won't be able to, you have to get, no, you, won't. Just, <laughs> you have to go down to lens crafters. <laughs> no, I have to get some new glasses. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> that was a good one, Ryan. That was a good one, Dustin. You got me. You're welcome. All right, so so guys, we uh, we have a, a Discord, which is basically a chat server of of um, kind of like minded people that listen to our podcast. And uh, every week when we have or when we have a guest on, or every week we put out you know kind of what we're going to talk about and just kind of let people throw out any questions they might have. So we have some people that that have some uh, some mod you know modification specific or service specific questions for you guys. So. Um, we'll start. Uh, we'll start throwing those out. So the first one is a new member to our Discord. His name is Daddy Dale, and he says he has a two a twenty two lowrider S, and he wants to do a stage two on his bike, but he wants something different than what everyone else has, like the S and S four seventy five or the Woods twenty two XE. 
What cam and exhaust recommendations would you guys recommend? So on that bike, um, definitely two into one. Uh, the Sawicki Speed is a very affordable, decent exhaust. Um, Bassani makes a two into one. They make about two or three different versions. Another one, very affordable. But I will tell you with Bassani, they make about two different baffles. Um, they make a baffle that I modify uh, to actually um, gain quite a bit of power. Um, it's hard for me to explain that to you. Um, with that motor, I'm probably shooting for like a Cyclorama 470. Okay. Um, or a 483 cam. Um, I've got one, uh, that motor, that bike, 483. It ran a two into one HPI and it ran 11.6 after my tune. Wow. So really simple bolt in 483 cycle Rama two into one HPI. I tune it, ran 11.6 consistently. Wow. That would be my choice on that bike. So at 11.6, how fast are you fucking going when you pass that finish line? Um, I believe all bikes are different. Um, your top speed really depends on your 60-foot time, but expect anywhere between 108 and 115. Man, that's fucking hauling ass. Dude. Yeah, 60 <laughs> foot. The, your 60-foot your is where your entire time comes from. So if you're not running somewhere around like a 1.6, you've got a lot of improvement to do. You know, one seven, one eight, you're very lazy, you know, out of the hole, you've got some things to work on. One six on a street bike is about what you're shooting for. Hmm. No one wants to be lazy out of the hole. No, no, I was yeah. getting ready to say that, man. That, <laughs> Nobody gets happy at that time. <laughs> nope. <laughs> for sure. Jeez. It doesn't work, doesn't work for anybody. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> All right. So all I right. just wrote all that down. I'm going to do a little shopping tonight. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Next. Uh, um, so this, uh, this is from, um, I think this, uh, this particular discord member um, has their own podcast too, but his, he comes from the belated binge podcast. And his question is what kind of limitations do you run into when using the screaming Eagle versus a reputable aftermarket players? They're talking about tuners. Um, he says an example is if you put a hammer conversion kit on a sporty hammer is telling you that 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 cannot be tuned with the Screaming Eagle tuner. So I'm not sure if this is true or not. So you can answer whether or not that that's true. And then maybe what it what it means, uh, um, the, the Screaming Eagle tuners versus the aftermarket tuners. Uh, very simple. That is true. Um, the hammer kits. Um, matter of fact, I'm running his uh, cylinder pistons and heads on my Buell. Um, great guy. If I remember correctly, he's out of Utah. Uh, a lot of, a few of my friends running AMRA uh, uses a lot of hammer stuff, really good stuff. Um, so your Screaming Eagle uh, tuner um, basically runs off of what I would call like a narrow band O2. It gives us about five to six points to give fuel and take away fuel and works very well with uh, Harley's components to keep everything EPA compliant. When I'm running a power vision tuner, I'm running wide bands, which gives me, oh, if, it give, if I remember correctly, gives me about 25.7, 26 points 
to be able to add fuel and to take away, which is completely against what the EPA wants me or allows me to do. So when you put a hammer performance kit on your Sportster, that is okay as long as you keep it on the track. So if you were to take that bike with the full tune in, in a county that requires you admission testing, you will fail. So yeah, the hammer kit has been around a while. Love it. Love the guy out there. But the uh, street tuner just does not have the capability to change enough to make that butt bike run properly. Sure. <clears throat> and so and it but, sounds and, like the power vision <clears throat> is the, the tuner of choice. For me, it is. Don't get me wrong. TTS is great. I'll even um, let you know about Thundermax. Um, I used to tune Thundermax uh, many years ago. Um, I just kind of got out of doing it. But if we're going to uh, run forced induction, um, I'm not saying that Power Vision isn't capable, but Thundermax is pretty much your kind of go-to tuner for it. So if we're pro-charging or turbocharging a bike, the, the Thunderbacks is what we use. God damn. Turbos. Turbos <laughs> and NOS. They're not <laughs> fucking around down there, dude. <laughs> yeah, we I started running well I started running a car on nitrous oxide probably 12, 13 years ago. Um, it's kind of what got me out of racing cars just because of the expense. Uh, the motorcycle to me, uh, the Harley is just cheaper for me. But, uh, you know, I've, I've got 15 years in this. I've been saving parts for 13, 14 years. Um, that's what I, you know, I work around. So a lot of this stuff for me is pretty inexpensive. But my O2 Sportster roughly has about 75 passes down the drag strip on it. Um, and it runs a 50 shot of nitrous through it every single time carbureted bike that i run a um uh, remote uh, fuel pump on it um that's one thing i like about the sportster they're they're still kind of a rigid bike you know they're clunky and they're noisy and but they they, they hold up pretty pretty well and i've beaten the tar out of mine god damn nitrous just burns all the hairs right out of my nostrils yeah, I, I mean can't just do that shit anymore a hit on <laughs> it is on a bike scares me to death <laughs> Once you're actually on one, the the addiction to it is ridiculous. It really is. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, we got any more? We got another question there, Ryan. Oh yeah, there's lots of them. Oh. <laughs> I shouldn't say lots of them. There, there's a few of them. Okay, so um, this this gentleman, uh, Mike Oxlong, he says. Uh, <laughs> 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 Sometime last year, my local Harley dealer, uh, Lancaster HD, said that they will no longer be supplying parts for bikes uh, 2003 and older. Uh, will the support for older bikes go away in the coming years? Do you guys know much about that? Well, I'll tell you my policy on it. Um, and, you know, it, it really depends on the service department you go to. So... If we're talking Magneti Morelli, 95 to 01, if we're talking Evo, um, Panhead, Shovelhead, I've got guys in Bowling Green that can work on those things, and I can work on them. I have all the tools. I have all the equipment. But the one thing that I do require is um, I need to see your bike first, and without being rude, I need to know how deep your pocketbook is. Not sure. that I'm trying to take money from you because I refuse to do that. But the older bikes, they um, they just cost more money to work on. 
Um, let's take a twin cam, for example. I can pull your cylinder head uh, cylinders off, redo the O-ring on the bottom for a base gasket leak, and send you down the road. Evos aren't like that. Uh, you know, I have to put your Evo cylinder on a stone, and I need to shave that cylinder. I need to clean things. It just takes more time. So I have no problem working on older stuff, but I'm going to do my research before I allow you to come on in. Um, because I've been caught to where I'll work on your 94 and the son of a bitch brings it to me in a box. (laughs) I'm just not going to do it. Just not going to work on those things. So it all depends on your service department. I will say that I do not work on Ironhead Sportsters. Um, I just don't do it. I don't have enough people that are comfortable with it. And we're just talking a different animal. But I do have about two to three customers in Bowling Green, Kentucky, that has old shovel heads. And they run, they drive them, they take care of them, and I'll service those bikes all day long. Okay. So but don't so, bring one in a fucking box. Right. Yeah. yeah I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've learned my lesson on those. So I know, it's a, I know a group of people that have a, an iron head. Yeah, we got one. <laughs> We have one right now. So, so I guess, I guess, really, the the, the uh, what you're what you're telling us, Thomas, then is that from from your perspective, you would say that that's probably independent of each dealership whether or not they're going to choose to work on older bikes based on the skill set of the service technicians and and whether or not they find it to be. Um, you know, to be able to keep up on it, but it's not universally that Harley is just saying, no, we're not going to work on these older bikes. Is that, is that a true, would that be considered a true statement? hundred percent correct. Okay. Okay. Cause I think, I think what, I think kind of what people are feeling is that, you know, Harley is, is dictating the service departments or the dealerships that they're not allowed to work on these older bikes and, and, in an effort to just sell newer ones, if that makes sense. So, you know, I, I just want to make sure that that's clear to everybody that, you know, what Thomas is saying is that, you know, they have the skill set, they'll work on it, but there's going to be a caveat versus just making an appointment on a bike that's, that's newer and, and more updated. So I, I appreciate that. And thank you guys, uh, you know, for being, transparent about what that looks like because i think there there's always this kind of um if one dealership does something and another dealership doesn't do it and then what that means kind of across the board if that makes sense yeah absolutely you're you're correct you know the motor company gives us rules that we have to follow but you know we're we are all independently owned um sure so it 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 depends on the service manager and or that general manager or like me what we work on so I, I mean, I have a technician Harley certified that graduated MMI on the import side. Sure. He rides import. He also rides Harley. I ride import. You know, I'm, you know, I love my Harley and, you know, I do, but I'm a motorcycle enthusiast. So, you know, I ride all sorts of types of motorcycles. There's some that I can't stand. Um, and some that I enjoy, you know, it's a passion for me to ride a bike and I'm not, you know, super loyal specific to it. Sure. So we have a couple more here. Um, this, this one's from deep freeze, Bob. He's a guy that, that I ride with all the time and, and he's a kind of a garage mechanic himself. So he says, so with an Evo motor, how big can a garage mechanic make it? Can you make an Evo a one eleven with jugs and pistons? Uh, really, really simple. This stock Evo case is rated for a hundred horse. Um, you build anything past 100 horse, expect that stock case to crack. I've seen okay. it too many times, and it's going to do it. 
Um, and you're going to ask me what case to put in there. And I could never remember what case to run. Sure. Um, I'll think about it when we're all done here. But really good buddy of mine. He makes about 105, 110 uh, out of his little old uh, 94, 95 uh, soft tail custom. Gorgeous motorcycle runs strong, but he's got aftermarket cases on it. So basically, if you wanted a bigger motor like that, you're talking about you probably just need to get the bigger motor, like an SNS 111 or something like that, something that's manufactured as opposed to taking an 80 inch and trying to trying to, uh, um, you know, upgrade it to something that size. Correct. Yeah. You okay. either put aftermarket cases in it or you just you know, put your SNS in it. Sure. Sure. All right. So we have one from the Mad Yankee and he says, <clears throat> um, when redoing the infamous cam chain tensioner on an 88 twin cam, is there any disadvantage to an SNS gear kit versus a hydraulic tensioner? A hundred percent. Anytime you ever, ever go gear drive, you must do a run out on that crankshaft because okay. if it is not within SNS, SNS's specifications, you will tear that bottom end up. It is very, very precise on the run out of that crankshaft. Okay. Well, there you go. God damn. He was Johnny on the spot with that one. Well, my, well, my I, guess I, is... I, I've seen it before, and uh, one of my favorite bikes that I don't have anymore is I built a 05 Road King um, that ran SNS 585 gear drives. Um, I won't tell you a lot about the build, um, but I've ended up with 103 cubic inches. It made 127 horsepower and naturally aspirated. It went 11.6. But I do love my gear drives, but my crankshaft that I used was a stroker flywheel, and um, I did the normal uh, balance weld, you know, to make sure that, that the, the run out was correct. Hmm. Damn it. Damn it, Thomas. I'm going to have to spend some money. Yep, I did that all with beach bars and white walls and spokes. And uh, <laughs> to, to buy my destroyer, uh, I agreed to uh, the wife that I had at the time to sell that Road King. So no Road King, no wife right now, but I got my destroyer. Well, <laughs> gotcha. The destroyer wins out. <laughs> yeah, Priorities. So uh, so we got one, one more question, and, and this is kind of uh, – uh, looking outside of the box here. So uh, Volts asked this question. Uh, the Pan America slash Rev Max bike question is this. Um, is there, do you guys have um, enough techs in your dealer that, that are knowledgeable to work on these bikes? And is there a plan in place to increase the knowledge of what the techs can do with these motors? Or are they still focusing on the regular, on the, on the regular big twins? So down in Bowling Green, I have already sent two technicians off to the motor company in Milwaukee that took specific uh, RevMax classes. Okay. They came back completely certified, I want to say, a month ago. Uh, we have already completely torn down a Sportster S motor and put it back together due to uh, an internal, I want to say, cam chain tensioner failure. Uh, so I have, I'm running five technicians in Bowling Green, two have already been certified in the classes and my master tech of, who oh shoot, I think 19 years now is the one who actually completed the work. So oh, nice. absolutely. Okay. 
Okay. And what about in Louisville? Are they doing that at Louisville Harley Davidson yet? Louisville, we have not got that far yet. Like I okay. had mentioned before, we're a little bit rebuilding. I do have sure. a 20 year master tech um, in Louisville. Um, the rest, a uh, couple of them are MMI grads. And then you got me up there, which, you know, I still tune. So sure. um, we're, we're getting there in Louisville. Sure. Sure. Well, that that's good. I mean, it's good to hear because I think that that's been something that uh, we, we do have some some people in our podcast. Uh, I don't know that we have or I shouldn't say in our podcast, but in our our discord that are, are running um, bikes with the RevMax motor. I don't know that we have anybody that has a uh, Nightster yet or and I, I don't know that there's anybody with Sportster S, but a few guys have Pan Americas. And so um, I think that that was that was one question, because I know there's been a couple of instances where guys have have been traveling on their bikes and then had some issues or wanted to do something. And they found it maybe a little bit difficult to get things done. So um, know that you can go to Bowling Green. They have the people that you need there. And and it sounds like they're going to be getting them uh, uh, very soon in Louisville. So there you go. We've had quite a few customers when the uh, Pan America came out that's had quite a few issues. And I've worked with the motor company uh, quite a bit. And there's a lot of TSBs out on those motorcycles. I'm not sure if every dealer understands them, but that's something that my guys in Bowling Green that has worked a lot on. And a lot of these customers that have been a little bit upset, um, we've been able to repair those bikes uh, for them. Sure. That's great. That's that's really great to hear. So nice. Yeah, there's been a few people that's had some pretty sticky problems with those Pan Americas, at least in our circle that they weren't sure. able to really get taken care of. For anybody listening, regardless of where you live, you know, you can call the Bowling Green store, uh, get a hold of Sean Shockley. He's the service manager down there. If he can't answer stuff, you can you can come across me. And uh, regardless of where you live, you don't even have to come to the store. I'll be more than happy to help you out. Nice. Well, that's good to know, everybody. Yeah, thanks, Thomas and Matthew. Appreciate yeah, you guys coming on. We also appreciate our Discord members for submitting your questions, guys. Thank you. And remember to everybody that isn't in our Discord, Brittany, how much does it cost? It is fucking free. Fucking free. <laughs> FiveDirtyBikers.com will get you to our Discord. Just find the link on the homepage. Join up. We're over 700 strong now. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So... Yeah, if you guys are in the area or if you're not in the area and you need some service done, you need a dyno done, you need just a fucking question answered, give Thomas and Matthew a call down at Bowling Green in Louisville and they'll get you taken care of. Because I'm going to be coming back down there because I need a cycle Rama cam. You come and see me, we'll change it a little bit. First thing that we're going to do is get you on the racetrack, though, Tony. First thing. Oh, God damn. Now, hold on, Thomas. I'm coming to that. Let me know what it is. I'm going. I'm going to sit there in the the fucking stands with popcorn. Yeah. Do they have a beginner? Let me tell you something. Down in Bowling Green, I have had Hog Chapter members out there, you know, not to be rude, but in their 70s and 80s on their trikes having a time of their life oh I, it sounds like a fun time it's, oh, it's not all about winning all the time you know no. it's it's a place that's not expensive you're around a bunch of people that have the same passion that you do and it's the safest place you know to beat the shit out of what we own it's the reason why and we you buy can, it you can let the big dog eat and not have to worry about the man yep absolutely well, well thomas just just to let you know if if Tony gets any of any of that oil or or tar from the track on his bike, he's going to immediately <laughs> trade it in. So that's going to be hard for him. He's attached to this one. You know what? I like to keep my bike clean. So all that's not know. what you call it. You don't call you it know, clean. 
I keep my shit tight, Ryan. <laughs> you know, that dirty motherfucker you're riding around on. If, if you guys haven't heard, Tony traded in his last bike because it had concrete dust all up on, on the Wait a minute, it didn't have, I didn't trade in because of the concrete dust. It was a factor. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest one. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you guys very much for coming in and joining us tonight in the podcast. So for our listeners out there, if you guys have a bike, you're looking at putting, uh, you know, doing something to it, stage one, stage two, you want to build power and, and you want to do it the right way with somebody who's going to sit down and have a conversation with you about how you ride and making sure that you guys are getting what you want out of your motorcycle and not just piecing together and throwing parts on there. Uh, you can talk to uh, Thomas or Matthew. They're going to be glad to help you out. Um, I do warn you, they're not going to do any Amazon bullshit on your bike. So make sure that they're putting quality parts on your motorcycle and and, and they're going to do quality work. So you can reach out to them at either Bowling Green or Louisville Harley-Davidson. Absolutely. I really enjoyed my time. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, no thank problem. you very much, guys. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you all next week. Keep it dirty. Keep in touch. Find us on Facebook and look us up on Instagram and TikTok at 530Bikers.